Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. I'm so glad that you are joining us online and in person for this Christmas Eve. It's a good day, isn't it? Yeah, Merry Christmas. It is a good day. I'm so glad that you guys are here. We are all about helping people follow Jesus here because following Jesus is the path to the fullest life, and we want to help you with that. So if you're in person, on your seat is one of these cards that says welcome. If you fill that out and turn it in, or if you're online and you go to risedenver.com connect and fill that out, we actually give $5 to the Denver Rescue Mission for every single one of these new forms filled out. So you can drop them off. There's boxes on the way out on all the doors if you're in person or online. So give a gift to someone this holiday season in need, right? Fill this out. That's pretty simple, right? Well, good. I hope that you guys do that. My name is Matt Wolf. I'm the lead pastor here at Arise, and I'm joined tonight by my much better half, um, the, my lovely wife, Melissa. It's so nice to be here with you guys on Christmas Eve. So, so thankful to be up here. It's nice to be here with you. You clean up nice. Yeah, I definitely need to clean up. Now that we have three kids, man, I cannot keep my clothes clean. Just stuff all on it all the time. Yeah, I remember one time you came home for lunch, and you were about to head to a meeting, and Evie was reaching out her peanut butter hands, ready to just grab you, and you said, don't you dare touch me with those hands. <laughs> yeah, I, re- I remember that. Yeah, um, I have a good excuse now when my clothes are dirty, um, but let's be honest, half the time it's my fault uh, when they're messy. Um, yeah. yeah, I can relate to that too. Uh, McKinley's going to be five in January, and the twins just turned two, and they love to bake with me. And not only do they like to bake, but they like to like be up on the counter while I'm baking. And they measure stuff, you know, and like dump it in the bowl. And one day we were making Christmas cookies, and this like plume of powdered sugar just erupted out of the mixer. And I know you guys are all probably thinking, well, that's what you get for having them sit on the counter with you. (laughs) Actually, I was the one that put the bag, the whole bag of powdered sugar in the mixer and then accidentally turned it on full blast. (laughs) It was like Denver's first snow in our kitchen. (laughs) But today we're going to be talking about a different kind of mess. Some messes that you can't really just suck up with a vacuum. That's right. Sometimes our lives can feel like a mess. And there's situations, there's circumstances going on, there's seasons that are just messy and and difficult, and you can't figure out how to clean it up. It's like, I can't figure out how to put the pieces together, figure this all out. And Melissa and I had a season like that in our lives that, that stretched for years. It was when we really wanted to have a baby, and we were struggling with infertility. And, and it lasted years because... We uh, asked God, we said, God, give us a baby. We were trying, we were waiting, we were longing, we were asking, we were waiting, we were longing, we were trying, we were wa- and just kept going on, month after month, year after year. We'd have friends that would get pregnant and then get pregnant again, and then we had siblings get pregnant and then get pregnant again. Between Melissa and I, we had seven nieces and nephews born while we were waiting to have just one kid, and it was really hard. We'd go to the doctor's. They'd run test after test after test, and they would all come back normal. There's nothing wrong. Everything's fine. But no, it wasn't fine. We kept waiting and longing and praying and waiting and longing and praying, and it just kept going on. And it was really challenging when you're in a mess like that, just the emotional toll it can take on you. And I remember experiencing that. I also remember interviewing for a job as a pastor, and they completely rejected me because I'm, I wasn't a dad, and I couldn't connect with pa- parents. Just below the belt, right? It, it felt that way. Like, I can't do anything about this. We're trying, Um, and that just period of our life felt like such a mess that we couldn't get out of. It was a mess. Yeah, and life can be messy in lots of ways. That was our mess, but right now at the holiday time, I think 
a lot of times when you're dealing with some kind of mess in your life, it feels a little bit more highlighted because you just want to enjoy the holiday with your family. You want to sit in a cozy living room around a Christmas tree and not think about the hard things in life, but they creep in and sometimes it's like depression or anxiety or a broken family relationship or just a broken heart, a loss of a loved one, or maybe it's a COVID diagnosis. Yeah, and we take like those perfect family photos so we can mail them out. So, oh, look how great our life is. And it's not, you know, we're, we just put up that front for everybody, but there's messes in our lives. There's big messes and it, they can be really highlighted at the holidays. But what we're gonna talk about today is those messes that we have because I believe that the, the miracle of Christmas actually teaches us that God makes messes into miracles. And whatever the mess is in your life, God can make that into a miracle. So we've been going through a series this December called Miracles, and we have talked about how God can do these divine, crazy, miraculous things that don't make any sense. And if you've missed any of those messages, you can go to risedenver.com miracles. And on top of those messages that we've gone through, there's articles, videos of modern-day miracles, because there is good philosophical, um, scientific, and medical reason. Yes, there's medical evidence of miracles now that's very well uh, recorded, and you can look at all that stuff. But to the messes we're talking about today are those messes in our lives that need a miracle. They're just like, I don't know how this could get any better. It just doesn't make sense. It's a dead end. It's terrible. But God can take all those and weave those bad things together into a miracle. So in order to see that, we're going to look at one of the most exciting <laughs> passages of the Bible. We're going to look at the genealogy of Jesus. Yeah, you can laugh at that. We're going to look at the genealogy of Jesus. I want you to see this. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. If you have a Bible, you can look with me, or you can follow along on the screen behind me, or if you're using your smartphone, you can go to um, the YouVersion Bible app and find our event for Arise Church Denver. And in Matthew 1.1, Jesus' genealogy is given here. It says, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. It starts out with a genealogy. And if you've ever read the Bible before, you know that's the section you skip, right? Have you ever skipped that? Yes. Yeah, we, we all do. We skip over that. It's like, oh, just a list of this man, you know, was the father of this man, was the father, of, and it's just a bunch of names. And, and it's no different here. It's a list of 42 men in this genealogy. Most of them, we've never heard of them. But what's fascinating about this genealogy, because it, it, it was very common in the practice that you only listed the men, but in this genealogy, there are actually five women that are listed. And these five women had quite messy lives. Yeah, so the first woman we're going to talk about is Tamar. And she was widowed twice, so she lost two husbands. So she was dealing with a lot of grief. And then she got married a third time to a man who didn't really want her, so she was rejected. And she still wanted to have a child, though. So <clears throat> even though the third husband didn't want to have a child with her, she decided that it would be a good idea to dress up like this picture, like a prostitute, so she could go and proposition her father-in-law. And I think, you know, she has her face covered partially to hide her identity, but I also think because she was probably filled with shame over what she was doing. So she became pregnant, and she hid her pregnancy for quite some time out of shame. So she was dealing with a lot of messy things. What a mess. And the second woman in Jesus' genealogy is a woman by the name of Rahab. And Rahab didn't just dress up like a prostitute. She was a prostitute. And on top of that, she probably ran a brothel. She was the madame, so she was in charge of all the other prostitutes. So she hadn't just chosen a sinful lifestyle. She had fully embraced it. 
But I think she was wrestling with that and the, the troubles that come with that because she wasn't part of the people of God and she was longing for something better in her life. What a mess of life. And the next woman in Jesus' genealogy is Ruth. And Ruth was also widowed. Her, her husband died in a famine. And they were married for quite some time and didn't have any children. So she was probably also dealing with infertility. And in those days when you didn't have a child, you were a husband, you were destitute. So she was widowed, probably dealing with infer, infertility, and also destitute. What a mess. Then the fourth woman in Jesus' genealogy it had such a messy life that she's not even named in the genealogy. She's just called Uriah's wife. But we know that she was actually called Bathsheba, and Bathsheba was beautiful. So when King David saw her, he took her and slept with her, even though she was married to another man. And then when he found out she was pregnant, he had her husband killed on the battlefield. So she was dealing with this nasty, shameful affair, and then a husband who got murdered. And then on top of that, the child she was pregnant with died. So she had the grief of the messiness, and all this stuff had been done to her. You know, I think if we were going to call it anything, we'd call it trauma today, right? That she's experiencing. What a mess of life. Yeah, so maybe there's something in, the, in those women's stories that you can identify with. Maybe it's like Tamar dealing with the grief of a loss of a loved one, or maybe the shame she maybe felt, or the sting of rejection. But God makes messes into miracles. Or maybe your mess is like Rahab's. She was part of a family that she didn't really feel like she belonged to. But God makes messes into miracles. Or maybe you can identify most with Ruth's mess, dealing with maybe something like infertility or waiting for something. Or maybe you're longing to be married at the holiday time. Or maybe you're wishing you had more to provide for your family this holiday season. But God makes messes into miracles. Or maybe you're like Bathsheba, feeling like you're the victim of someone else's bad decisions and your mess isn't even your fault. Or maybe you're dealing with the loss of a child or just a broken heart this season, but God makes messes into miracles. I think the person next to you needs to hear that. Could you turn to the person next to you and say, God makes messes into miracles? Yeah, that, that is what God does. He makes messes into miracles. And we can see that so clearly when we do watch what happens with this genealogy. Because what we see is that that first woman named Tamar, she did sleep with her father-in-law, got Judah, and got pregnant, but then they had a son. Her story was redeemed. And through them, they had several generations later a man named Salmon. And Salmon uh, saw the prostitute Rahab and loved her, took her to be his wife, bringing her into the family of God. And they had a son named Boaz. And Boaz was a great man. So when he saw the young widow Ruth laboring in the field, he had compassion on her and took her to be his wife, married her, and redeemed her. Then they had a son, a grandson, and a great-grandson you might have heard of, King David. And King David, yes, he slept with Bathsheba, but then he took her to be his wife, his queen. And together they had a son named Solomon, who also was a king considered the greatest king, uh, the wisest king to ever live, maybe the wisest man. And they had a whole series of kings coming from their lineage. And 14 generations later, there was a young man named Joseph. And Joseph saw the young virgin Mary. And even though she got pregnant without his hand in it, he still married her and then raised their son together, who you know, Jesus, Savior of the world. Isn't it amazing how God worked in each one of those women's stories 
to make the mess into a miracle. And then on top of that, made the greatest miracle of all time through those messy families. Let's talk about Mary. She was very young when the angel visited her, maybe 16. And when the angel told her you were going to become pregnant, she didn't really understand how that would happen because her and Joseph had done everything right. They hadn't slept together. They weren't married. So the angel told her you will be having a miraculous pregnancy from the Holy Spirit. will be carrying the Messiah. And when Joseph heard about all this happening, you can imagine what he felt like and the mess that he felt like he was in. But then the angel visited him too and told him that what Mary had said was true and that the baby that she was carrying would be Jesus. And they named the baby Jesus. In Matthew 1, 22 and 23, says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God transformed that mess into a big miracle. That's right. God makes messes into miracles. And we're telling you all these historical stories, not just because they were incredible and how God worked in all those situations, but also because God works the same way today. The miracle-working God of the Bible is the miracle-working God that exists today and is active and alive in our world. God makes messes into miracles today. In fact, in Psalm 77, 14, it tells us about this God. It says, you are the God of miracles and wonders. You still demonstrate your awesome power. No matter how bad the situation, no matter how terrible, God can make a mess out of any miracle, a miracle out of any mess. And that's what he did for us in our story. Because um, we waited five years, and then God gave us our first miracle child, McKinley. And we praise God for that. But then we actually had four miscarriages right after that. And we went to see a doctor. He's considered maybe one of the best reproductive doctors in the entire world. And he gave us a less than 1% chance that we'd get pregnant. So God laughed and gave us two. That's right. We have three miracle babies now. And it's just incredible. We could have never thought or planned that. And God had a better plan, and he made our mess into a miracle. So take a minute right now and think about the mess that you would like to have transformed into a miracle. Yeah, maybe you're struggling with some anxiety, some worry, depression. Maybe you've even thought about taking your own life. Maybe you're struggling financially. Maybe there's a problem at work. You can't pay your rent. The business is struggling. Uh, maybe uh, you're, you're dealing with grief, the loss. Maybe it's a broken relationship, divorce. And you're thinking, how could anything get better? There's a problem with a family relationship. And whatever the mess is that you're in, God sees it. And he wants to make your mess into a miracle. And you don't have to know all the steps that he's going to take to bring you from your mess to your miracle. God is the one that knows that. When we were dealing with our infertility, I always thought I had to have the answers for everything. And I thought, how is this ever going to resolve? Because I don't know what's going to happen. But God is infinitely creative, and he can find solutions to any mess. You don't have to have the answer. You just have to have an open heart to ask God to come in and work in your life. That's right. In Luke 1.68, about this Christmas story, the miracle of Jesus, we read, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. I like that verse because it says he looked favorably upon us. Okay, we know that God loves us you've been around church at all, but most of us don't know that God actually likes us. <laughs> he does. He likes us. He cares about us. He looks favorably on you, even in your mess, because sometimes you are the one who caused the mess. You're the problem. 
and you haven't been asking for help, and yet still God looks at you favorably. He wants to help. He wants to redeem the situation. I love that word redeemed because that word redeemed is like, it's like that you're in prison and then God comes down and sets you free, that you have a, a huge debt that you can't pay off and God pays the whole thing off. Or it's like your old dilapidated house is falling apart and it's a mess and then God comes in and renovates the whole thing and gives you your dream home. That's what redemption is and that's what God wants to do in your life. Yeah, it's like a divine vacuum for your powdered sugar mess of a life. <laughs> That's right, the divine vacuum. God wants to make your mess into a miracle. And Christmas is all about the messy into the miracle. And I think it's so fitting that God chose quite a messy situation to come into the world to be born into. Think about it. Mary and Joseph went to Bethlehem. And though she was quite pregnant, there was no room for them in the inn. There was no hospital bed available for them. They had to go into the stable where the animals lived. Can you imagine that situation? Okay, the, the animals, there would have been urine. <laughs> there would have been excrement. I mean, it would have stunk, right? Talk about sanitary conditions for the birth of a child, right? And then when Jesus was born, they placed the baby in the food trough that the animals ate from. God chose a terribly messy situation in order to be born into. I think for a reason, to prove to us that the grossest, most messiest, terrible situation, God can transform that into a miracle. Yep, God's not afraid of a mess, and he's definitely not afraid of your mess. I think sometimes we're nervous to approach God with our messes because we don't want to inconvenience him, or maybe we feel like, for sure, this mess is our fault, so we can't really ask for help with that. Or maybe you feel like me when we were in our mess, and I was just pretty angry with God, and I didn't really want to even talk to him. You know, the thing is, God knows our mess already, and he wants us to ask for help, and he wants to come in and make our mess into a miracle. That's right. So I want everybody here to think about your mess, whatever it is, the, the sticky situation, the problem you can't solve, that you're struggling with, whatever it is, I want you to think about it, because God wants to clean that up. And I think about our own kids um, with, with our twins because, yes, sometimes they make the mess. It's not always us, okay? They make a mess. And when they do, I, I love that they're just, at two years old, they, they just will reach up their hands. I, I can just picture Canaan saying, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. And I just come over and pick them up, move them out of the mess, and then clean it all up, right? Got to do almost all of it because a two-year-old can't clean it up. And I think God is just wanting us to come to him because he's our father, and he wants us to come to him and just put our hands up and say, help. That's all we have to do. And God wants to come down, and he'll figure out the situation. He'll work all things together for your good. So I want you to close your eyes right now. Can we have everybody close your eyes if you're able? Close your eyes, please. Um, and I want you to think about the mess in your life, the struggle, the trial, the heartbreak, the grief. And if you're here, if you're online and you're struggling with a mess right now, whatever it is, I want you to reach your hand up to God. Could you just reach your hand up to God as you're crying out, Dad, help me. I got a mess right now. I need your help. Whatever it is, whatever your struggle, just reach out your hand into the air. This is you saying, God, I need some help. Lord God, right now, I pray for each one of these men and women who are reaching out their hand to you. They're asking for help, and you love them. You're looking favorably upon them right now. You like them, even in the worst mess that they might have created. You love them, and I pray that you would come into their life and even right now begin to help clean up this mess. 
to help show them the steps they need to move forward. If they need a miracle, Lord, God, give them a miracle. Bring all the bad things, all the awful things, all the terrible things and work them out for their good because they love you and they're crying out to you. You can put your hands down now. Now, you can open your eyes for just a second because the great story of Christmas isn't just that a baby was born. It's that that baby grew up, became a man who loved and served and then gave his life for each one of us on the cross. And then, three days later, he rose from the dead to prove once and for all that God has power over any mess, even over the mess of death itself. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas. That's where our redemption comes from. So some of you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The mess you're living in is that you're, you're choosing sin and not God, but it's time to choose God, accept his gift of forgiveness and grace, and that you can have all your sins forgiven. You can be given a new life now and given eternal life forever in heaven. And that is available to anyone who accepts that gift in Jesus Christ. So what we do here is we give everybody an opportunity to accept that gift, and it's just through a simple prayer to declare Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So if I could, once again, have everybody close your eyes. And if you're already a follower of Jesus, could you repeat this prayer after me to give courage to somebody who needs to pray it for the first time? And if you're ready to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, also repeat this prayer after me. Dear Father, my life's a mess. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Forgive me. Save me. In faith, I declare, Jesus is Lord. Forgive me. Give me the gift of eternal life. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. Now, with eyes still closed for just a second longer, with eyes still closed, if you prayed that prayer and you declared Jesus as your Lord and Savior for the first time and meant it, would you please just slip your hand into the air? Nobody's looking, but please just slip your hand into the air if you made Jesus your Lord and Savior. Can we see those hands? Stick them up high. All right, let's give a hand to those people who made the decision. Praise God. Lord God, we are just grateful that for those people whose eternities are transformed, that they have accepted that gift of eternal life. Lord God, we are so grateful that you sent your son Jesus into the messiness of our world, that you love us in the messiness of our lives, and you are calling us to follow you into eternity. Lord God, we are so grateful that you are the miracle-working God who can make any mess into a miracle. Amen. All right, if everybody could please stand, we're going to sing together a song called The House of Miracles. <laughs>